Welcome to the Mesmerizing Marketing Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the latest marketing trends, tools, and tips, and provide you with the top resources you need to thrive and make your marketing mesmerizing. And now, here's your host, Dimple Dang. just keep in mind this is not legal advice and if you do choose to come up and raise your hand you may end up on the podcast so hand raising is on so if you guys are in the audience and you do have a question that you would like to ask dave go ahead and come on or you dimple they may have a question for you about how to build their brand yeah exactly yeah that's right i forgot or if you have a question about how to build your brand come on up and as well and so we've got Mark up here. We've got Mark Ledlow. Mark, if you wanted to give a brief introduction of yourself and let us know if your question is for, for myself or for Dave. Hey, thanks, Dimple. Thanks, Dave, for having me up. And uh, thanks for the wealth of knowledge, Dave. I've been taking mental notes and everything you're saying. There's such a vast uh, world out there in uh, the trademark copy world. And a little bit about me. I'm a Marine Corps vet. And uh, I launched my own podcast about a year ago, and I had a, a very successful business mentor of mine tell me, he, first thing he asked me, hey, do you have uh, the Fearless Mindset uh, trademark yet? I'm like, uh, no, why? He goes, you may need to get that done before the year's over. I'm like, why is that? Then he explained to me what you just said on the platform here, and I uh, he got that done. But my question to you, Dave, is um, being that I have a trademark for the Fearless Mindset, I'm going to be doing some content ebooks and all that. Should I go ahead and start the process of getting a copyright uh, for the books, the ebooks, and uh, for that type of content? And I also was wondering, do I need copywriting for my YouTube videos too? Do, is there like a stamp you put on YouTube or something? Because I got the trademark, but it doesn't sound like the trademark applies for everything. Yeah, you bet, Mark. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thank you for your service. We're all very mindful right now of of the people like you. We're a week away from the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. And uh, so thank you for that very much. And so you did you get the trademark actually registered by the Patent and Trademark Office for Fearless Mindset? Or is it yes, is the application pen is the application pending? It's actually, I got a letter from the uh, the trademark office, nice pretty little letter with a seal on it in the bottom of it. So Great. You can start using the art. Let the world know that's not just a trademark, not just an unregistered common law trademark. That's a registered trademark, federally registered trademark. Now, your ebooks and stuff, how far along are they? Would you say, are they 50% done, 90% done, or 100% done? Dave, I haven't not even started. What I'm going to do is, uh, I'm going to print out the transcripts from a few of my podcasts and put them in print format on ebook but not even start the transcript. Okay, so, well, there's there's nothing for you to actually register with the Copyright Office yet because you need to have the content in some tangible form, whether it's a Word document or a PDF or, or a PowerPoint, because you have to submit to the Copyright Office a copy of your content with your copyright application. So when you get the first draft or the second draft done, you're pretty sure it's pretty much what it's going to be when you launch it. That's when I'd pop for the 55 bucks. 
and register the copyright in, let's say, the final, almost final version. Get a little, it's only $55, get a little bit of copyright protection going, even if you, pub, you, you don't publish it for another six months, and when you publish it in six months, it turns out that you've changed some of it, you know what? Spend another $55 and register the copyright in the final published version. Now you're in for only 110 but at least you got the first version registered for copyright purposes so that if you're sending that around to book publishers or potential investors or potential publishers, you've got a little bit of protection under your belt for a relatively nominal amount of money. And the minute you get the first, I don't know, five or 10 pages assembled, start putting that cop. Were you in, were you here in the room Mark, a few minutes ago when I talked about how to, what the three elements are of a proper copyright notice? Yeah, I listened to that. Great. All right, good. So get the copyright notice on stuff pretty much as soon as you start. Just get in the habit, habit of start putting the copyright notice on your written material. It's free. It doesn't right. cost you anything. Right. And just get in the habit. Just get in the habit of using the copyright notice. Yeah, it's such a different world, Dave, being on the internet. I know. All that. It's just, I'm, I come from the bodyguard rule and banking and yep. I'm doing podcasts and content. There's 168 hours in a, in a week, right? You decide how many of those you need to sleep, eat, do your laundry, and the rest of those you can be working or learning. And that's why I recommend going to the Copyright Office website and learn as much as you can and get five or $10,000 worth of free legal advice under your belt by reading the Copyright Office website from beginning to end, then when you go talk to somebody like me, you get a lot more bang for your buck. So true, yeah. I wasted my time on LegalZoom. That was like a four-month trial and error thing on the customer service line. I'll never do that. Well, don't get me started. I understand you're an accomplished lawyer yourself, and uh, I will never use LegalZoom. I'll say this about LegalZoom to give them credit where credit is due. For any of you out there who are thinking about using LegalZoom is a document preparation service not a law firm. So when you use LegalZoom, you fill out a questionnaire that they provide to you. They ask you a bunch of questions. And depending on how you answer the questions, they will produce a document for you, maybe, that you can then file with the Copyright Office or the Trademark Office. The problem is, and Mark can probably speak to this because of his military service, he's going to know what I'm about to say, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. Garbage in, garbage out. So, if the questionnaire that LegalZoom provides to you doesn't ask every question that really needs to be asked, oops, you have a problem. Or, if you fill out the questionnaire but don't understand all the questions thoroughly and you give, you put a bad answer in the answers to the questionnaire, the document you get back from LegalZoom is going to be defective. That's the problem with LegalZoom. It's a document preparation service. It's cheap. I love that about it. It's got that going for it. But it sounds like you're one of many people that I've encountered who found out that sometimes you get what you pay for. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. Yeah. Next time I think I'll use an attorney that specializes in this. It'll be worth it. Yeah. Anything else I can help you with right now in that department? That's it. That's all I had questions for. And great, great. 
Say thanks, Dimple. Thank you, Dave, for being on here and just clarifying some stuff that I knew you needed to do. And now I need, now I need to do it for my uh, ebook. So appreciate. You bet. You- awesome. Thanks, Mark, for coming up and asking those questions. And if you guys are in the audience, we are recording this, and this is not legal advice. But if you want to come up, and this is a perfect opportunity while we have Dave here. To ask him a question, go ahead and raise your hand so we'll bring you up. But I'm going to throw out a question in the meantime, Dave. My question, I don't know if he answered the one about the YouTube videos. Again, the copyright notice that we've talked about, see inside of the circle or the word copyright, the year uh, of publication and and the uh, your name, that's free to use. So you can slap that on all your YouTube content. Now, if you're turning out one YouTube video a year... Register it with the Copyright Office. If you're turning out one YouTube video a day, then maybe wait a month or two, group them all together as a collection, and register all of them together at one time under one copyright registration application. It's Dave Brantman's March or Dave Brantman's September 2021 YouTube collection. And I've got 30 31-minute YouTubes collected together in, under one copyright application. I upload them all at the same time under one copyright application. I give them a collective name. And instead of spending $55 times 30, I spend $55 one time. And that's one way of managing the budget and still getting some copyright protection for your YouTube videos. I hope that helps. And yeah, Dimple, before we go on to any legal questions, I want to ask, can I ask you a question? Oh, yeah, go for it. You know, marketing, biz, we've got Clubhouse, we've got Reddit, we've got Pinterest, we've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got Instagram. How do we choose where to spend our time and energy if we can't spend all day, every day on each of these platforms? Is there one or are there one or two you like more than the other for starters? That's a great question, Dave. And I say your question is how do we choose which platforms to to use as far as social media because there's so many of them. I say use the platforms where your audience lives. Where does your audience, I mean, where does your target audience, right? Where, where do they spend their time? If your target audience is on Instagram, then you better be using Instagram. If your target audience is on LinkedIn, you better be using LinkedIn. My friend Joseph, that that's moderator up here on stage, his audience, like he is a style geek. So he styles celebrities and other people for a living. That's what he does. So his audience, like a lot of his audience is probably on LinkedIn and possibly also on, on Instagram, right? So there's so many platforms. The key, Dave, is to picking maybe two platforms that you can commit to creating content for and that you're comfortable with using. If you're not comfortable with Instagram, you would want to pick something like LinkedIn because maybe you're more comfortable with LinkedIn and creating content there. So I think it really depends. You have to know who your audience is. You have to be able to say, my audience, you know, this is how old they are. This is their demographic. This is where they live. You, you have to know what their interests are, what their hobbies are, and that's the best way. Does that help? That's a great answer. That is, a t- I love that answer. It's, it, I, I should have thought of that, but that's why you're the guru, Dimple. 
Awesome, awesome. Thanks for asking that, Dave. And I forgot, actually, I'm supposed to be answering questions too. So Dave just reminded me because I was so mesmerized by Dave's talk on all this stuff because I find it quite interesting too. And I'm like trying to learn as much as I can. So if anyone has a question either for myself on growing your brand and how to build a brand, feel free to ask me. And if you have a question for Dave about how to protect your brand, you can ask him. So if I think Mark, who is still up here on stage, has a question for one of us. So let's see if you have another question. Yeah, you definitely brought up some great points. Where is your audience, Instagram or LinkedIn? And that's kind of where I struggle. I've been using LinkedIn, I don't know, probably a good year, two, three years, because most of my corporate potential clients are going to be in LinkedIn. And so my question to you is, uh, what's your advice? Like a person with where I'm going from your legal background and all that, do you think those eyeballs are still LinkedIn or is there going to be a migration from LinkedIn to Clubhouse in the future? What do you see out there? Because I know LinkedIn used to be able to put YouTube videos up there. And now they're, they're changing the algorithm. It's not even worth putting a video up there anymore because they're changing the algorithm. So it's like now, do you put a picture on there? There's so many things that are changing daily with LinkedIn. So a lot of questions. Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. And I'm actually looking in the room and I see Sebastian here. I don't know if you want to come up, but I'm looking at your bio, Sebastian, and it says that you are LinkedIn strategist. If you want to come up and maybe join the stage and, and answer Mark's question, feel free. Wonderful. We're going to bring you up because we've got a LinkedIn specialist in the house. So Mark, maybe you could restate the question to, to Sebastian and then Sebastian can share his thoughts. Hey, thanks, Paul. I appreciate that. Thanks, Sebastian, for coming up and thanks for your time. I noticed uh, I've been using YouTube and uh, LinkedIn, but the LinkedIn platform to reach my ideal client with my podcast. What I'm finding out is the algorithms changed, the viewerships has dropped some, uh, tremendously in the last year since I've been doing uh, YouTube drop every Monday, uh, four times a month. I know the engagement has changed. All that's really changed in the last year. And so I'm wondering if that's a tactic that still works with LinkedIn, or I'm noticing a lot of people putting pictures of their businesses and like pictures with some graphics on there now versus the YouTube stuff. So it must be a lot changing. So yeah, Sebastian, if you have any idea and thoughts on Thank you, Mark, for asking the question. That's a very good question. But what I didn't hear you say is, what do you want to achieve out of your presence in LinkedIn? Oh, uh, the achievement is landing my ideal client because obviously I'm using my podcast to draw attention to eventually get some more security business. So most of the decision makers are actually on LinkedIn that make decisions or the gatekeepers for the organization to hire a company like mine to be a vendor for the organization. So most of those thought leaders and decision makers are actually on LinkedIn. So you're using the different platforms as funnels or lead gen, and then you want to slide them over down to your web page, I assume, or at least towards your YouTube and then towards your funnel and uh, towards your web page. And that's where you close the deal. Am I right? Right. Yeah. I'm just trying Yeah, generate leads exactly with the content, with the podcast on the, with YouTube on the LinkedIn platform and showing, showcasing the podcast guest on the LinkedIn platform. But it seems like the YouTube is not getting the traction it used to because they may be changing the algorithms on YouTube. Or that's, a good, that's a good point, actually. So what happens this year, I think in the beginning of the year, around um, April, what happens was that we saw on LinkedIn too much traffic directed to YouTube. So much so there's one week in LinkedIn itself where you actually saw anyone with a link of a YouTube link in the post. We're trying to click on it. You would see a 
pop-up that says too much traffic is being sent off to YouTube at the moment. The YouTube server is jammed up. So I think they took on a little bit of a stance after that to try and bring things down a little bit. But they claim that they've since claimed they're not longer doing that. But hey, you know what? Platforms are going to be platforms. My advice for you is to do this. Remember this. Social media platforms are not e-commerce site. If there is no e-commerce portion to it, this is not an e-commerce site, especially LinkedIn. LinkedIn's professional networking environment or network. So what you want to do is use it for lead gen and then bring them over to YouTube, which you still can't sell there. Then you want to bring them over to your webpage. So always make sure that you design your customer journey to be really flawless. Get some friends to slide through your customer journeys and make sure that it flows. It doesn't get stuck. Now, for this, what you want to do is this. With YouTube itself, you can actually download all the videos. Download all the videos and take any half an hour clip, shorten it down to at least less than 10 minutes, actually less than even two minutes if you can, by giving them a highlight, a big chunky highlight that, for example, a catchy tone, fearless mindset. So these are the five things you need for a fearless mindset to help you claim, help you claim your business, the attention that it needs. These are the three steps you have to take to change your mindset to be a fearless one so you can achieve all your goals and dreams. Stuff like that. And followed by a one-minute clip, by one 30-seconds clip or one-minute clip to actually show what you say was really impactful and powerful. Now, on that post itself, you're going to share with them some text about the videos itself and what else do you talk about as a hook or carrot, we call them. And then you put the link in your comments itself towards your YouTube. That's one. What I'm playing with right now is I'm taking a list of all the different videos that I've made for my live videos. And putting them in the articles with a sh more medium-sized transcript of what's in the video itself because i want to bang on the two more things which is having my content be to be google indexed um because currently at the moment only articles are being google indexed the posts are google indexed too but only the prolific ones so i'm not one of them and so think about that so you want to use the right product the right platform that gets you the most attention that you want that you can get so this way with linking up all the different YouTube videos and your articles itself, you can embed them so you can watch them on the platform itself. Make sure that the traffic is not being driven out and your post is not being stuck or held back because it's linking outside. It's only linking to your article itself in LinkedIn. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I've heard that, Sebastian, by other people. I actually tried a little trial. I wrote up an article and published it on LinkedIn and I got a lot of traffic out of that. It was weird. Mm -hmm. But that's what LinkedIn is doing. Is they want everybody to put our articles now, publish articles. And now you become a publisher on LinkedIn and they can use that. And they seem to be more friendly to that versus YouTube, like you're saying. And I actually did a beta test with a shorter, like two minute video, like you said, with uh, uh, Frank Mir and me and some other videos. And it actually, I did got a lot more traction than I usually do. So I think, I think you're absolutely correct on that. You have to embed that into your article or something like that, which means I got to hire somebody that knows that. That would be me. That'd be simple. <laughs> and Sebastian, I mean, thank you so much for sharing all that. And to share a little bit about the articles, I just want to say that the articles are so powerful on LinkedIn. You can get a ton of traffic and it's a great tool to utilize that and to write content and publish it directly through LinkedIn. And the other advantage of posting an article there is that Google indexes those articles as well. So for SEO, meaning for search engine optimization purposes, that is a great strategy. And I'm all about marketing strategy. I don't like to do anything without a strategy. There has to be a reason for who you want to reach, 
like what cities you want to rank in, what keywords you want to rank for. Here's, so I'm going to throw out a tip for you guys about these articles on LinkedIn if you're going to create content. Make sure that you're creating content that, A, answers the questions that you get asked frequently from your clients. So clients are always coming to you and asking you the same questions. That should be an article. And also the other thing is if you're not sure what kind of content that you're going to create, and this is gold. And so for SEO, it's really, really powerful. And and because of that, you can end up ranking high on on the search engines. But if you're like, well, I don't know what kind of content to create. I don't even know what people are searching for. I don't know you know, how to get started. So if you're confused about that, there's the website, which I absolutely love. That's called answerthepublic.com. Again, it's called answerthepublic.com. So you can go to this website, you can type in a keyword phrase. Like if you were to type in copyright infringement, for example, it's going to give you a wheel that has all of these questions. And the questions that are in the darker green are the ones that are more popular. And basically, you can use those questions as titles for your content that you're creating. That can be a blog post article for LinkedIn, for your website. It could be an Instagram reel. And reels are huge right now in terms of getting you a ton of views. You'll see the wheel of questions. And then you're going to see a button that says save image. So I want you to save the image so you have an image of all the questions and then you're going to see another button on the right-hand side that'll say export to a CSV file. So literally you can take all of those questions and it will download them in an Excel spreadsheet. And what I want you guys to do then is all the questions that are there, put a headline called blog topics or content creation topics, right? And put another column and call that platforms. What platforms are you going to create content for? Is it going to be for your podcast? Is it going to be for, let's say, your for LinkedIn articles? Is it going to be for YouTube videos? Whatever it happens to be. And even the one title, you can create multiple content on that. And then you can say status, which can you can put in production or done or created. And then you can have a note section. And if in the site, it allows you to get two free searches right now for free every day. If you try to do more than two, it might say get a paid membership. So just like do maybe two searches a day, do that for five days. Then take the circular wheel of questions, the ones that are in the darker green, and compare them with what's on the spreadsheet because the spreadsheet is going to put everything there. But you don't want everything. You want to only keep the ones that are really popular, that are in the darker green on the wheel, and you want to keep the ones that sound appealing to you that you're willing to create content on And literally, I just gave you a strategy to have your entire content marketing calendar done for the next 90 days. Definitely go check that out. That's a great marketing tip that I think everybody in the room can utilize. And it is like gold. That is like gold right there. Go ahead and raise your hand and come on up if you want to ask us a question. Okay, we got a hand raised coming up. For Bod, okay, tell us who you are and then if your question is for me or for Dave. So my question is for you, Dimple. I have been in Facebook for a while and Facebook and LinkedIn and other social media. Like I had, I think I had like more than almost 5,000 friends for a while in Facebook. And I've been active on Facebook. But on other platforms like Instagram or LinkedIn, 
LinkedIn, yeah, I, I had pro- probably about like 4,000 as well. I mean, that's pretty good. But on on Clubhouse, I have been having a hard time to have people follow me. I don't know why. That's a great question. So on Clubhouse, you're asking how you can grow and how you can get more followers. So yes, here's the bottom line. You do have to participate in many rooms and go on stage. You have to utilize every opportunity like you're here right now to raise your hand and to ask questions because that is the only way people are going to follow you in a room and notice you as if you're on stage and you speak on stage. Not even just sitting on stage is really not going to help people either too much unless you're somebody that maybe people are just checking out your profile because the room's been going on for three hours and maybe you'll get like five followers out of that. But the way to really grow is to go into rooms and to share your knowledge and to contribute to those rooms. And then the other thing I guess I would suggest if you're not already doing it is to open up your own rooms on Clubhouse and do what I'm doing, like sharing my expertise and Dave is sharing his expertise. Do your own rooms, start your own clubs. And then when you have those clubs, promote them on your Instagram Now that you have the DM feature on Clubhouse and you can get the exact link to a room or an event, I would take the the link and I would send it to everyone that you're friendly with here and you're friends with and say, hey, I'm doing a room this Friday on this topic. Would love it if you can pop in or you'd like to join us on stage or if you'd like to co-mod or whatever it happens to be and send everyone a message with the link so that they know you're having this room or you can do that here. You can do that on Instagram, and then that's going to be a great way to build your network and your personal brand because the more rooms you go into and you speak on stage and the more rooms that you host of your own, and I'll be honest too, I've studied this stuff like crazy because I spent so much time on Clubhouse, but the best way to get the most amount of followers quickly is to open up your own rooms. Whenever I do my own rooms, I get a ton of followers, more than if I'm speaking in someone else's room. Because if I'm speaking in someone else's room, I might only be able to speak for like a minute because there's maybe 20 other people on stage that are also speaking. So the spotlight is not on me, right? So if you can put the spotlight on you and you can showcase your expertise and you can showcase your knowledge, people will start to follow you. So my question is, have you been doing your rooms consistently or is it something that you're maybe scared to do or have you tried it so give me a little bit more feedback i wanted to start my own club but people said you have to have certain number of followers before you can start your own club is it true or and then the room i'm always thinking about what topic to talk about to get the most people in the room so that's um, because I have a diverse background, even though I have, I'm focusing in the law, because before that I was doing engineering. And so I've, I've been doing uh, various stuff. So it's just, uh, and I felt like you have to be really expert in one area in order to start up your own room. Okay, great question on that. So, okay, you do not have to have a ton of followers or a certain amount of followers to start your own clubs and rooms. Maybe months ago, it was that they were only allowing clubs for certain people and they opened it up to people that had larger following in the beginning. But now anybody can start their own clubs and anyone can start their own rooms. So it doesn't matter if you don't have a large following. 
because the only way you're going to build the large following is if you actually open up your rooms and you open up a club and you do that and then you invite people to join your club. Because when you open up a club, the best time to invite people is when you're setting up your club because it, it makes the process easier. You can literally just push a button and invite everybody. Whereas later, it's like if you don't do it right away, you're going to have to go through every person, find their name, and follow, and invite them to, to your club. So I I would say what you should do is set a goal for yourself that every week I'm going to I'm gonna open up three rooms or I'm going to open up two rooms or even one. Even if you can start with one, that's fine. And then maybe gradually like take that one and say, I'm going to do two rooms. Now I'm going to do three rooms. And then what's going to happen is you're going to get comfortable being on stage as you being the main person who's running the room and running the show. And when your other question is about you're not an expert on everything, then what do you talk about? Well, the beauty of clubhouses, you can have more than one club. So you could have a club on, let's say, like entrepreneurship, something to do with entrepreneurship, and you can have topics in there about that. You could have a club about another topic, and you could you could have rooms in there about that. I mean, personally, I have like at least four clubs. So right now, you're in my club, Mesmerizing Marketing, and this also this club is also the same name as my podcast, Mesmerizing Marketing. And so in here, I do rooms about marketing. But then I have another club for podcasting called Podcasting for Beginners. So in that one, I do rooms about podcasting. Then I have another club called Lawyers Mastermind, where I do rooms specifically tailored toward the legal industry and for lawyers. And then I have another club called Unapologetically Independent, where it's all about female empowerment and the men that support them, right? And now if people like are listening in this room, they want to join my clubs, like they can tap on my profile, expand the profile and go all the way to the bottom. And where it says member of, like those are all of my clubs with the green like moderator badge thing. So everyone can follow those clubs. So now when I open up rooms in those clubs, and sometimes those might even be private events where only club members can attend, they can come to join, they can come in and join and listen to all the different rooms that I have. Then the other thing I would suggest to you also is when you are hosting rooms, it's really important to tell people what to do because they're not going to do it if you don't tell them. This is an example right now. So I'm going to do this in front of you so you, you can learn. And also for the people that are in this room and maybe you're newer to clubhouses, when you have your own rooms, every maybe 30 to 40 minutes or so you want to reset the room. So I'm going to reset the room right now. And I'm going to say, hi, everyone. I'm Dimple. I'm here with Dave. And you are in the mesmerizing marketing club. This is my palace. I spend a lot of time here. Go ahead and tap the little greenhouse to follow the palace. And this is how you're going to open up all the amazing doors to all the wonderful events that we host in my palace. And then take it one step further, follow me here and hit the bell to always so that if I am in a room, You'll be notified if I'm speaking in my own room or I'm going to lead you to the best rooms on Clubhouse because if I'm not speaking and hosting my own room, I'm in one of the best rooms that there is. So all you have to do is follow me around to have a really great experience on Clubhouse and then take it one step further. Follow me on Instagram and go there and turn your notifications on. Then go to Instagram, check out my link there because I've got some free resources for you on live streaming and podcasting resources of your content creator. What kind of ring lights should you use? What kind of microphones? Well, it's a free download. Anybody in this room can go there and they can download that for free, right? And 
I also have a masterclass coming up on launching your podcast in one day. So for those of you content creators who don't have a podcast yet and want to have a podcast like I do and even leverage Clubhouse, I'm going to be helping creators just like Joseph, and, and I'm going to introduce him in a minute, to launch their podcast in literally a day. So if you guys want to learn more about that, you can go to my Instagram bio link and all the details are there. So see how I did that? I literally now had a bunch of call to actions in the room, but I told people not just to follow me here. I told them to follow me on Instagram. I told them to download a PDF. I told them I have resources for them. So do you think that's something like that's easy that you could do? I, I could do all this stuff. I mean, that, that was a great feedback. I want to like welcome up Joseph and I want to see if Joseph has any tips for you because there was a time when he started from zero as well on Clubhouse and now he's been growing his following actively and I have to say that he's been doing an amazing job of that. So I want to welcome Joseph to introduce himself and maybe Joseph, you could share a tip on how you did it because you obviously started from zero just like I did and I gave my perspective. Good to see you too. Yeah, I absolutely relate with having to decide to start doing something. So give everyone a brief introduction of who you are and what you do so they can also have a better understanding of what kind of rooms you're hosting. Absolutely. My name is Joseph Rosenfeld. People on Clubhouse know me as the Chief Style Geek. I help fellow geeks find their chic so they get made, paid, and even laid. And so... I started a club a few months ago. It's called the Introverted Executive, and Dimple is with me in that room whenever I have that room lately now, and it's fantastic. It's great to collaborate with friends. That's one of the other big tips is to work in tandem with people that you align with and we can support each other. Literally, I came to the room just now after a, a dinner out. It's late here in New York City. And I absolutely wanted to come into this room to be a support for Dimple because we're friends. And this is the type of energy that it takes to really make your clubhouse experience a successful one. There is a social aspect and component of it, like we are legit friends. And I also know that Dimple has a program coming up that is a five-hour masterclass on Saturday, September 18th, and I signed up for that. And everyone's invited to participate. I'm really excited because when I started my clubhouse journey, there were some people that I knew from off app, but most of my connections at this point have been garnered by my presence. And I would say, in addition to all the great insights that Dimple added, the additional piece that I would uh, suggest is a really well-written branded bio that people can read that makes them learn about you and curious to know more is definitely another way of garnering a larger following. But I'll say this too. I think it matters more who you are following. And I think of it like this. If you're at a networking event and you have an opportunity to make a connection with someone, I think most people's normal tendency is to hand out their business card to someone who they would like to keep in touch with. 
And I have news for anyone who's listening to this tidbit. That is not the best way to keep in touch. If you know that you have someone that you really want to reach out to and make a connection with, you better get their business card. So there are benefits to having the following, especially I am envisioning that it will be very helpful when I launch my podcast coming up soon, because that's a large built-in audience of people who have already experienced the quality of my voice and content that I share. Ultimately, though, you can only invite people into your rooms who you are following and they are following you back. You don't need a large following to build a bigger following, and you don't need a large following to have a meaningful room. One of the things that I heard you say, Farby, when you were talking a few minutes ago is that you're trying to figure out what topics to have to to make the largest room. And I think that if your goal is just to have the largest room, then that's your goal. My goal is I want to make absolutely pure social connections and I want to market and sell my business. I'm not my business is not for sale, but the services that I offer are what I are what I offer up. And I have been able to do that in quiet intimate rooms in my club and I have also been able to do that in my club in larger spaces where we have what have we had dimple 60 70 people in a room the last couple of weeks it's been it's been really nice and it's a manageable number of people and people are staying with us for this week it was 5 hours last week it was 7 hours we closed the room at 2 a.m. eastern so i just want to share how exciting that is when you get on a roll with something and that it's not so big that you can't maintain some kind of intimacy and connection with people who are really interested in your subject matter. And and I, I think Dimple's right. You can have as many different clubs on as many different topics as you can manage. I'm personally happy to have one. And within my one club, I'm able to rotate through interrelated topics that are all part of the, the services that I offer. So I hope that inspires you and further helps with what Dimple was sharing for all of you in the room that are thinking about how to grow on Clubhouse. And ultimately, that the numbers game is a phenomenon in social media that I think is not necessarily the most important metric. I think the most important metric is how many people are you going to actually know and remember and want to reach out to and how many of them are going to feel like they can reach out to you and how much business are you getting out of your experience if in fact that is a goal of yours. So I'll leave my share at that and I really appreciate the opportunity to contribute. This is Joseph. Thank you so much, Joseph. It was useful. A big room with big audience is going to come last, but I got to focus on building relationship. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You said the magic word. I was just going to say you said the magic word, Farby. It's all about relationships. Thank you, Joseph, for contributing. All right, you guys. The next question if someone has a question for dave and if no one raises their hand then we're going to see if dave has any final thoughts i wanted to thank dave so much 
for his time, for being here and all of his expertise. We're probably going to be doing rooms like this more frequently together and also with other people. So I'm super excited about that. But any final Thanks, Dimple. I think my final thought is to hearken back to something we've talked about earlier, just to put a bow on it, and that is to think holistically about what you're creating, what content you're creating, what brands you're creating, what other IP assets you might be creating, what trade secrets you might have, confidential information, that gives you an advantage over your competition, and maybe even a patent if you've come up with a new, novel, and non-obvious way of doing something that no one's ever ever done before. Think holistically about these things that you're creating and, and sit down and learn everything you can on your own and then get together with an IP, trademark, or copyright lawyer that you feel comfortable with and identify which of those assets are really going to be the most important to you and what steps you need to take to start legally protecting them. What copyright applications you need to file, what trademark applications you need to file, so forth and so on. And start building a portfolio of IP assets. When Mark Wasserman and his brother Craig came to me about five years ago, they had very little and now they've got a lot. It didn't happen overnight, but we sat down, we thought about it, we prioritized what was important to them, and we started collecting these assets for them. And now they have this beautiful portfolio of IP assets that A, gives them a big leg up in, in what they're doing, gives them an opportunity to license out their some of their content and some of their brands to third parties and make money from that and makes them very attractive to somebody down the road who may want to acquire those assets. So it's not too soon to start learning about this stuff and taking some steps. You don't have to do everything at once, but take one step this month or next month to start building your IP assets and all of you if any of you are podcasters or YouTubers or Clubhouse rumors or Clubhouse club moderators and owners, you've got content and you've got brands. Thank you, Dave, for being here. It was so much fun. And I hope that everyone in the room enjoyed this room and learned as much as they could about trademarks and intellectual property and building your personal brand i'm going to link in the show notes as well dave i'm going to link your information thank you and then i'll also link mark's information because we we did mention mark and we talked about how you helped him with obtaining some very very difficult trademarks and all of this intellectual property so and then joseph um, was also a participant on our panel so i'm going to link his information as well in the show notes and then everybody who came up to ask a question we appreciate you thank you so much for being here bye everybody thanks again dimple have a great one thank you for listening to the mesmerizing marketing podcast if you found this episode valuable please subscribe to the show so you don't ever miss an episode and also share it with your friends dimple would be so grateful if you could take a minute to leave a review and visit the podcast website to check out all the latest episodes at www.mesmerizingmarketingpodcast.com 
That's www.mesmerizingmarketingpodcast.com. And follow Dimple on Clubhouse. Her handle is Marketing Expert. And also join her Mesmerizing Marketing Club, also on Clubhouse, for live rooms on top marketing strategies for entrepreneurs and business owners who want to mesmerize their marketing. Marketing.